This episode is sponsored by Toddle. Toddle is an all-in-one teaching and learning platform used by over 40,000 educators around the world. If you want to learn more, head over to toddleapp.com to learn about the many features that are offered in this wonderful platform, hear from other educators on how it has transformed their campus, and dig into the many case studies on how they streamlined all their teaching and learning needs from the Toddle application. Today's guest is a great friend of the podcast and someone I have a wonderful respect and admiration for. On some personal news, we are adopting our foster child in a couple days, and you might hear her in the background. She has found her voice, so she is a super fan of CJ Reynolds, my guest today, and I cannot wait to jump into this conversation as we talk through classroom management, student engagement strategies in the classroom, relationship building tactics within the school. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire to Lead, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Aspire listeners, you are in for a treat because I have my yearly guests. I know this was set up the last time we talked that every year, this wonderful author, educator, YouTube star is going to be joining me each week. The Real Rap with Reynolds, CJ Reynolds. Thanks for joining me again, buddy. Dude, I love being on here, man. You do great stuff, and this is this is some some podcasts you feel like you gotta work a little bit. Not on here. No. It's it's too natural. Me and you, like we were just joking that we usually typically spend at least thirty minutes to an hour pre recording. Pre podcast. <laughs> just just warming up to get to the real conversation where we're at right now. Yes. Yes. We got to see each other in person. Not too long ago at Teach Better 22, and I haven't talked to you really since. Yeah, I want to get your perspective on the event. So it's it is one of my favorite conferences. It's, oh, there's only been two, right? But it's still like one of my favorite conferences to go to. And when I explain it to folks, it's it's not the biggest, it's not the flashiest, right? Although it is very well done, and the and the spot we were at this year was phenomenal. Man, that place was inspiring in and of itself. So, yeah, but like, so great. It just feels like you are getting to meet up with either old friends or people that feel like old friends because they've been, you've known them online and you see the work that they're doing. And I mean, I, I don't know anyone there that I'm like, you, you kind of don't want to see, right? Like, like even people that I don't know, I'm just like, oh, you just start talking to folks. And it's so, it's just so easy to fall in and to feel like you are included in something. And Man, I love it every year. It's uh, it is when we go out to eat, I close every bar, and not because I'm just getting wrecked. It is just it's like I just don't want to leave. I just love talking to everyone, and then as it whittles down, you're like, oh, I haven't talked to you guys before. What's up? And then you just start talking. It's really it's that kind of vibe. It feels like a a good version of a high school reunion almost. No, I love it, man. The social events are my favorite. You know, it's. It's great learning with everyone at the event and in the venue was, like you said, gorgeous this time. Uh, Podcast Row was bigger than it's ever been in this phenomenal space. And then, you know, but the time afterwards, I mean, uh, you really get can get into the nitty gritty with some folks as far as what they're doing, their passions, get to learn about them a little bit more. And then, like you said, it's it's a lot of creators, too, that are there. It's, you know, authors, it's podcasters, it's YouTubers. I mean, there's so many folks there that you can gain information from. Yeah. And with that, I mean, I don't ever get the sense that anyone's afraid to share anything too, which is what I love. Like, especially in this work that we're doing, there's so much work for everyone. 
and to go somewhere where folks are just sharing and asking you questions and you're sharing and it, it just feels so collaborative that you just feel fired up to go back. Um, and I'll tell you what, the, uh, one last thing that I really love is that because it's in October, folks can go right back to the classroom next week and implement. It's not like a summer time event where you're like, ah, I, am I still going to feel this fire in September? I don't know. So I, I love that piece of it as well. Well, the announcement was just made, Teach Better 23. So hopefully we can get everyone back to the same venue. It's going to be in Akron, Ohio again, in this beautiful STEM school. And of course, we'll have Podcast Row. Um, I'll be set up there and many others. And CJ, hopefully I will see you there. For sure. Man, if everyone is listening right now, make sure you head over to teachbetter.com. Grab your ticket. I know there's early bird registration available. And there's going to be so many fantastic speakers and connections that you can make. And I would highly recommend it. CJ, buddy, what are you up to right now? Because if I feel like every time I'm on social media, there's some different project you've got going on. And I just love all the content that you create. We spin plates. I'm actually find, trying to find ways to lessen the number of plates that I'm spinning right now. Um, we are, there's a lot, man. It's like, it's gearing up, uh, hopefully for a full season of speaking this summer and, and spring and fall. And then it's trying to put out YouTube videos and gearing up for TikTok and Instagram and just anywhere that I can get a voice out really, because this is, and we kind of talked about this at the beginning, like in, a, in the pre-podcast episode about how teachers are leaving in droves. This is the hardest time of the year as it is anyway for educators. So what can we just do to try to help that situation so that that's really like where the drive is coming from this time of year like i've had my foot on the gas since june with no breaks you just keep following these the trends of the year and trying to help teachers to to be who they're called to be without like losing their minds no i think that's a great segue to our conversation today because that was kind of my mindset also was you know i was in admin mastermind with the teach better team on tuesday and you know, just listening to some of the administrators and some of the things that they're working through, it seems like, of course, no surprise, student behavior is, is rearing up right now and, and teachers are really trying to get a handle on things. And so I was hoping to have that conversation with you in regards to student management. What are some techniques that you like to share? I know you, this is a topic that you have on your YouTube channel also, but, you know, when teachers yeah. are asking, what are some, some tips that you like to provide in regards to student management? First of all, I, I would shift the thought process here, right? I think that has to come from classroom leadership instead of classroom management. I think when you're when you are managing something, you're you're like the lifeguard blowing the whistle and telling kids to walk or not to wrestle or whatever. But when you are leading, you're like the coach of the swim team, right? Managing just stops things from happening. Leading takes us from one place to another, and so that leadership piece, I think. There are a number of things that, that feed into that, but I think first it's, what are we doing? How are we coming to school, right? Like this isn't just a, it can't just be a school thing. It can't just be a kid thing. It has to be a me thing. And when we don't do that, when we don't put some of the ownership on ourselves or realize how much power we have and 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 how impactful empowering ourselves is, then we're leaving a huge component out. So it's not just like your policies and procedures and routines and rules and all that stuff. It's how am I coming to school? So I think for me, that always started with 
being very mindful of how my morning was starting. I didn't want to wake up and then just wake up, get dressed and go to school. I needed to prep myself. Like I was like I was pre-gaming for for a <laughs> like a boxing match or or a sporting event or something like that, but always praying, always meditating, always whether it was journaling or being mindful of what I eat in the morning, especially the older I get, like the more that affected me. And then what am I consuming on the way to school? Like I don't want I used to like listen to the news on the way into school or NPR or something like that. But what I found was that if, you know, listening to 30 minutes of, of horror on the way to school and then trying to be my best self is, uh, that's those two things didn't seem to work out. So instead I just started creating either podcasts I would listen to or listening to like uh, playlists that were just songs that were going to get me as amped up as possible so that I was walking into school on fire. And I think when you come into the classroom like that, right, think about it, like when you are dealing with students that are acting, I don't know, inappropriate, out of pocket, whatever they're doing, and you're on a six out of 10, it's so much harder to deal with everything. That's when you're like, guys, got please, can you can you all just stop? Can you just stop doing this? You, that's how you're responding instead of like taking charge like a coach would do. And so I think that that's the first piece of where I would start with that stuff. So you're saying I shouldn't have a whistle. I'm just blowing at it. Like, look, I'm saying you have a whistle. Look, I'm, I mean, I'm a grown ass and with a, with a pot, with a megaphone on his desk. It's how are you using the whistle? How are you using the microphone? How, and so is it just to yell at kids or is it, I just think that there's, Look here. I think what it comes down to for me, Josh, is that I'm very playful by nature. It's real hard to be playful when you're on a six. It's real hard to be have a sense of humor when you're on a six. And so my sarcasm, which is pretty, it's like my second language, comes off sharper when I don't feel at my best. Instead of it being used for like this kind of playfulness and silliness that is offsets kids and they don't even know what you're doing, and then things can go easier after that. Well, I think too, like I've heard you talk about this in regards to de defiant students of the relationship building. And if you don't have that established and you're being sarcastic, obviously that's going to be perceived very, very different. Or if you're trying to be playful with a whistle or a megaphone, if that relationship isn't really established or it's not strong, they're going to take that and it's going to go sideways real quick. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So I, I think when we are thinking about relationships, I sometimes think that this is something that is like, misconstrued on, on when folks are like consuming my content is that I, I love relationships and that um I still keep up with students. I mean, students like I have students that are old enough now that they'll like come over with their husband, their wife, their kids. They'll stop by the ho our house. They'll we'll go out to dinner with people. And that that's wonderful. But that is just a byproduct of what you even started doing relationships for in the beginning. The relationships are it's a tactic. Right. Like if if um, if I don't know students, then they're not going to then I can't teach to who they are. I can't address the specific needs that they have in the classroom. I can't like help them with their social, emotional well-being. So if we have kids that are depressed or sad or anxious that hate school and I don't know who you are, then how am I ever supposed to teach you just because I had a really cool lesson? Like I, I have to know the person that I'm teaching first. And then only through that process do I use that to create a class that you might want to be a part of that you feel accepted and that you feel like is worth your time and energy. And so, and I get to know how 
to sort of like deal with discipline with you, to deal with calling you out on stuff. Like there are kids that I have yelled at in the past because I knew that that was the thing that lit them up. Right. And I don't ever yell at a kid in anger, but Aaron, who has wild ADHD in the back of my classroom, doesn't hear me because he's always thinking 9,000 things. If I raise my voice and say, Aaron, Aaron, I need you to pay, right here, man. Can you pay attention to me? There's some other kid in the class I can do the same thing with, and it's going to go the wrong way if I raise my voice. But I need to know my students to be able to do those sorts of things. And that, to me, is that kind of like second piece. You're coming in on fire, and then it's, how am I connecting with kids? And there's like just real simple ways to do that even as well. Yeah, I want to talk about that a little bit because I think that's a skill that all teachers need to possess. And it's one thing to have a relationship with a student, but it's another to have something that's authentic. And I think that's a kind of a missing and key piece to a lot of things is, you know, as far as administrator, I would talk to a teacher in regards to a student and I would ask them questions about some of the things that were going on in their life. And they were, they just didn't know what was going on behind the scenes. And unfortunately, a compliance student meant for them that they had a good relationship, but they didn't really know that student in a deeper way. So what are some things that you have done in the past to get underlying what's going on in their lives to know them so that you can have those conversations or you can call a kid out and know exactly what, what is needed in that situation? First is you have to realize that this this what we're talking about here works no matter where you are. I don't care where, what kind of school. I don't care how far removed you are from your student's existence. Like where I teach is very different from where I grew up. And so even if you teach at your same old school that you ever taught at, chances are those kids' lives are, are you know, this is a different generation that you're coming up with. Um, and you might be teaching students that are going through things that you never even dreamed of going through, right? That have lost a loved one that may be in foster care, that um, that they are, you know, the parents are getting divorced and you never dealt with any of those particular situations, it doesn't matter. So, and, and here's why, because it turns out that we gravitate towards as human beings, the things we're most, most familiar with, right? Which is why when a student in your classroom has someone else sits in their seat, they have a whole meltdown because it's like, yo, you're in my seat right now. Right. And if we think about that as adults, that might seem silly to us, but I would, I would ask like, yo, if, if anyone listening to this is married and your spouse slept on your side of the bed one night, bro, I, I don't even think I could go to bed. I think I'd be like, dude, what are you, what are you doing? My like, throat is being blown right now. I, I don't even know what that would look like. It's like, what are you even doing right now? Right. Even when we sit on the couch at night, my wife sits, I come into the room and I'm like, dude, what are you, why am I spot? Like, like, dude, just sit down. So I think what we can do is take that and use it to our advantage. If students gravitate towards the things they're most familiar with, then you need to be the person they are the most familiar with or one of them. And how do we do that? One is just being visible. It's being in the hallways. It's at the beginning of the day saying hello to kids. It's as kids are walking into your door, uh, to your classroom being at the door. It's saying goodbye to kids at the end of the day. It is showing up in the lunchroom every so often and just like walking around. I eat lunch twice a day with all with about 30 kids at a time. So what you're trying to do is build this familiarity. And it's not so much what you talk about. It's just that you're around. And if you think back to when you were a kid, if you had an issue, so me, I always went to my mom for everything, right? But because I saw my mom all the time, I did, my dad worked tons. So he wasn't necessarily someone I went to. After my mom, it was my one aunt that I had who I still to this day 
uh, as, as a grown-up, still go to my aunt with my issues because she was just always around. So what you want to do is like make yourself visible. And then I think the other thing is talk up to kids about things that they're interested in. Wade King has this idea of like being a student of your students. And so I always say like, I don't know if this is John Maxwell said this, but kids don't care what you know until they know that you care, right? Same kind of thing. It is finding out what students are interested in and then asking questions about that. It doesn't matter if you care about it. Like, I don't care if you care that the new Fortnite update is coming out on this Friday, right? So on March 10th, new Fortnite uh, updates coming out. You just have to know that it's happening. And then asking kids, well, what are you so excited about about it? Like, do, like, what, like, I don't even know what this is about. Tell me a little bit about, like, what are they going to change? What do you like about this? Why has Fortnite been, like, popular for so long? Oh, you don't like Fortnite? Well, why don't you like Fortnite? It's just asking things to kids about what they might be interested in. So whether that is the Wu-Tang show or it's Owl House on Disney+, Plus, it is being a student of your students. It's looking into those things. And because here, here's the, the last thing I'd say about this. There's this poet that I love, Anis Mojgani, who has a line in a poem that says, young people are told speak when spoken to and then are never spoken to. And so if you think about how little kids are typically asked um, anything that they're about, what they are interested in, that's not just school or sports or like the regular stuff and asking deeper questions about that, that. I, you see it on kids' faces. It lights them up and they kind of can't believe like, we, how do you even know about, how do you even know about that, Reynolds? Because I care. And so I want to know about it. We're going to pause for a moment to talk about one of my favorite sponsors, Papa Rob's Coffee. No surprise, I'm currently drinking my second cup of the Papa Rob's special blend. Rob has a wonderful variety of medium and dark blends available at paparobscoffee.com. Definitely check out each and every one of his blends. However, I have a subscription. I actually have coffee delivered to my door. It's fantastic. It's fresh. And then, of course, don't forget that as an Aspire to Lead listener, you get a free code here. Aspire 15 gets you 15% off your entire order. Head over to paparobscoffee.com. I know you're going to enjoy every last drop of this phenomenal blend. It's fresh and comes right to your door. So make sure you go over to the website, Aspire15, and grab that 15% off. And now back to our wonderful guest and interview. I love what you're talking about, too, about joining their spaces. So, like, going to the cafe. As an admin, obviously, we had lunch duty every day, and it was great to connect with kids there. But to see when teachers came down to sit with a group of kids and just have lunch with them was so powerful. I mean, the kids lit up. Well, one, they looked confused because they're like, are you in the cafe? Like that was like a full yeah. concept to them. But then when they actually sat down and ate lunch with them, like the joy on their faces that that, that teacher, someone that they, you know, respected and enjoyed as far as their classroom would come and eat lunch with them and get to know them at a deeper level was, was just amazing. And of course they just increased their relationship in a better way and probably helped with the engagement and their behavior later on in their classroom. So love that. I want to talk about students that are potentially off task and not engaged. I know for some teachers, that's that's pretty tough, especially this time of year. So what are your thoughts on that? My thoughts on this have changed pretty significantly over the years. I used to do points. Uh, I had like this whole point system. And what I what I found was that they didn't, 
you know, turns out I don't want to like have my kids grade uh, reflect anything but their mastery of, of the material. So how do we get around that? I think it is, I think one, it goes back to teachers. It, it, it's such a confidence game. Like if you tell kids that this is what I am expecting and not just because I'm the, like the disciplinarian, I'm, the, I'm this is my way or the highway. It's because your success is all I care about. So let me first say, here's what we're doing. And I'm going to connect it to why this is actually successful in your life. Not just because it's on the test, because it's on the SAT, because you'll have to know this next year. You could talk about that stuff, but only if it's a part of someone's game plan. So here's what we're doing. This is why it's important. And that's one thing. Another thing is being able to look a kid in the face and say, I need you to stop what you're doing and get on point with what is happening here. But then if a kid pushes back, being able to to talk to them about it. If this isn't the time to talk about it and saying like, if they say, you know, the uh, the customary, like, why are you always picking on me? Why does it always have to be about me? How they were doing it. And it's, I always respond the same way. That's a really great point. I will actually talk to you about that, but here are the times and places that are appropriate to talk about that. So after class, after school, in the hallway, on the way to your next class, I'll walk to your next class and, and we can talk about it then. It's providing kids an opportunity to use their voice and not just crushing it. So now we don't have to have this conversation. Now you might not just shut down because I gave you this opportunity to talk about it. But the other thing is maybe not even pointing at a kid and saying, this is what you're doing and it's off task. It's saying, what, what's happening, right? Like, so we're, we're doing this. I'm not sure what's happening over here. And not in a sarcastic way. It's looking for clarity because sometimes kids are talking because they're actually helping someone, explaining something or whatever, and they need a reminder. The other thing is it's never leaning over kids. It's always like squatting down or sitting next to a student. So you're at eye level. Josh, there's so much stuff here, but but I think that to keep it short, I love telling students, here's what I'm seeing. And here's what this phone call is going to sound like home. Like, so if I do have to call home, like, listen, I've already asked you several times to, to not do something. This is what that phone call is going to sound like when I call it home or asking students, are you, are you refusing to do work right now? And using the word refusing to, it's like, it's a yes or no answer, right? So yes, am I refusing or no, I am not refusing is a way to kind of shift kids thinking and get them to look at, you know, back up and kind of look at the situation and reminding kids always and, and reminding teachers to look. If, if education is only ever about students, then everything we're doing is to help students find success. And we have to really be true to that. This isn't about you getting through your content. It's not about you being right. It's not about you um, getting that kid that is always, they're always acting up and I'm going to, I'm going to get them today. It's, it is really how badly do I want this child to succeed? And what am I willing to do to make sure that that happens? So even emails home are hey, this is what I'm seeing in class. And I'm just curious what you could do to kind of help me out with the situation. Or is there a way that uh, your child might respond better tomorrow in class? Like, is there something I could do that has worked well in the past? It's those kind of little things that that shift kids and and help you kind of win the moment so that kids can win the, the, their life. The thing about the conversation with time too, like you don't have to get into it right that moment. You can, you can pause, you can break. And even it might be something where you're escalated, where you need to take a breather to say, we're going to come back to, to this another time. And I know a lot of folks like get nervous 
especially educators in that because they feel like they're going to lose their power in that situation. But that's not the case at all. If we come back at another time, we're going to have a much more clear, concise conversation where it's de-escalated. We're actually going to be able to find a resolution. And you're still the adult. You're still the teacher. You're still the administrator. You're not losing power within that. So, you know what, with that, I have a friend that does, uh, works with like trauma victims. And she said, when you are at that escalated state, you, your rational, your ability to think rationally is gone. You can't do it. So you have to calm yourself so that you can have a rational conversation. So if a kid is explosive, first of all, one thing I've seen that has worked really well, a neurologist friend taught me about this. If you're like, in the middle of something with a kid and they are getting really, really worked up, just sit down and continue the conversation from there. But when you're both standing, it's almost incites conflict. But if you just sit down, it's people don't even know what to do with that. Like kids don't even know what to do with it when they're getting real hype and then you just sit down and then lower your voice and then give them a time and space when this can happen. Right. So that's why if you have to send a kid out of your class, that's why you're sending them out, not to get rid of them. It's you need to de-escalate so we can handle this situation when we're both level-headed because then we can engage that rational part of the brain. Yeah, there were a lot of strategies. I would actually ask kids like, hey, do you want to just go outside and take a walk? Like actually take them out of the office, take them out of the school. And yeah. the the I know that's not possible for every teacher, but for myself, like I had that ability and their demeanor changed dramatically. As soon as they hit natural light, fresh air, getting yep. movement. Um, and then I wouldn't talk about what was going on. I would just try and get to know them, ask them questions about what they enjoyed, you know, totally get them off topic. We would make a lap around the building and it was like a totally different child. And then once they were at the right rational state, then I can have a conversation about, hey, what was the decision that you made and why did you make it? You know, and we can get back into the, you know, the decisions that you made that were poor. Yeah, I love the trauma-informed stuff that you're talking about because I think those little things that we do non-verbally, like standing over a child or standing and having that conversation versus sitting, is so crucial. And then also, like, if a kid's in an escalated state of mind, they don't hear a word that you're saying. You're just wasting their time and probably breaking down the relationship in the first place. But I think that's that's hard to change because it's so addictive, right? Like, it's such a cathartic act to, like, yell at a kid or scream at a kid or feel like you're right like you just like drop the mic, but that is, it is something that I think as adults, like you have to grow out of. Cause if you're never going to get to like what you really, really want is what you want control or you want kids to win. I don't think that those things always overlap all the time. This podcast is a proud member of the teach better podcast network, better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbettercom slash podcasts. Now let's get back to the episode. Let's talk about engagement, right? Because, you know, we talk a lot about what we can do to, you know, help students be on task. But at the same point, we can't control our students. We can help guide them. But there are some things that we can change as teachers because we do have control over ourselves. So what are some things that you like to use in the classroom to get kids excited and to stay engaged within the lesson? So I think it has to start with, the basics, right? So what, what I want to do is create a flow in my class. I don't do, I don't have a lot of, I have one rule in my class, which is to give respect, you get respect. And so that, and that starts with me. I have to be more respectful than everyone else. And then hopefully that comes back to me. I have 
a lot of consistency in my in my day. So my my classes constantly run in this consistent fashion where there are these systems that if a kid comes in five minutes late, 10 minutes late, they know what we're doing. They can fall in line. Oh, it's Wednesday. We're going to do this, 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 and this. Every day on my board for the kids that forget, there is an outline of everything we're doing and how long those activities are going to take. So if you hate reading um, independently, then you know it's only 12 minutes of the day, right? Or it's only, and, and this is my other thing, is I say only before everything, even if it's 30 minutes. Dude, it's only 30 minutes, right? Like that, we are lessening the anxiety of students because they are, it's not a mystery what's coming up. They already can see what's happening and know how long it's going to happen. Then really, I mean, the the short version of this is that I keep a timer on my board. I time every single activity that we do, not to build anxiety, but to just give kids an awareness. And then I stick to that timer for most kids. So if we are finished an activity and you had 10 minutes to do it and you didn't do it, I now can point to the timer and say, listen, you only have five minutes left. Like, I just want to make sure that you're, you're going to be able to get this in on time or that you're able to do this work. Uh, some kids that need a little bit longer to process or take a little bit longer to write. They, of course, can get extra time, but it kind of keeps you on track and it keeps students on track and it builds a sense of urgency so that you're getting done all that needs to get done. And then, you know, I think the other thing is, you know, I think there's a, the F word in school these days often is uh, is fun. And so I think teachers are often, a lot of teachers I work with are kind of afraid to have fun. But when you think of Dude, how boring school is all day. Like, it is so unbelievably boring. My boys at my school, at all boys school, go to school from 8 to, we used to go to 5, now it's like 4.30 or something like that. With There's no recess. There's no outside time. There's no break. Lunch is 20 minutes. That is your only break during the day. So infusing moments of fun, finding ways to do things in a fun way, really, I think, breaks up the day, just makes it more interesting for everyone. And one easy way to do that is all this stuff you're learning about your students, use it in your lessons. Like why we have still have word problems about how Sally went to buy four corn on the cob and two baked potatoes. And it's like, what? Like, why isn't she buying like hot Cheetos? Or why didn't she have to go to like getting V-Bucks on Fortnite and she only had this many V-Bucks, but she wanted to get like, why are we using things that kids are interested in to you do the same math problems is like beyond. You are doing some amazing things, my friend. You are everywhere on social media. You are on YouTube. Actually, I just found out your YouTube episodes go into a podcast, correct? Yes. So Sunday Night Teacher Talk, which is, uh, we feel like Sunday is probably the most terrifying day of the week for teachers. <laughs> So we do this like Q&A show on Sundays and then that turns into a podcast. Yep. Yeah, that's amazing. So check out everything that CJ is doing. We're going to have all of those links in the show notes. But before we go, CJ, I always love asking for, you know, some advice for our aspiring leaders. So I think that you are making an impact every single day. And even though you don't have a title of a leader, I know that you're leading many with all the many things that you do. So for those who are aspiring leaders, do you have any advice for them that they can do to enhance their leadership journey tomorrow? So I think when you're thinking about how you're going to handle any of this stuff, it is when we're looking at like whether it's classroom management, leadership, or or engagement, if somebody else is winning, you can win also, right? But you can do it in your own way. There doesn't need to be uniformity. 
there just needs to be unity amongst your your staff. And so it's really looking at how are people finding success in their classroom and then finding your own way to do that, but not waiting. I think too many teachers wait until tenure, until they get a gauge on the class. It's like your students need you to show up tomorrow and be the teacher that you were called to be. And that's just so much more fun to do it that way, right? Like don't don't wait. Go and have a blast at school. And even if it looks weird, guess what? You only look weird for so long and then they just know you as the weird person. So go like embrace that thing that makes you special and and let it go and, and let your kids be blessed by that. Well, I also will say that everybody's weird. So if you do something that you think is out of the normal, that's typical, right? Like we need to push those boundaries and it doesn't matter what your role in education is, like be yourself and make sure that you're doing it in a new creative and fun way. Wait, Josh, I would love to know what, what is your weirdness? What, like, where does that, where did that come from as an educator? What was, what made you? I played Christmas music 24 seven. Yeah. So like I would play it in my classroom and I would get a reaction out of my kids. My students were like, what on earth is, it's August. What are you doing? Like, so for me, it's really, it comes from my odd upbringing. Christmas time in my house, nobody was fighting. So like that was a, a peaceful time. So like when I have moments of stress, I listen to Christmas music and it kind of de-escalates me. So if in my house or in my classroom, Christmas music goes on, then people, if they really know, it means that I'm in a stressful state. That's really something. So in the in the height of COVID, in like the we didn't know anything stage, there was a local radio station in Philly that started playing Christmas music all the time. And it was, listen, there's enough going on out there. Like there's all this news and competing news reports and all this madness are like, we're just playing Christmas music because it makes everyone feel better. And at our house, it's funny. You, I tell my kids, you lose a Christmas present if you listen to Christmas music before Thanksgiving, um, it, which is not true. Like if they have no idea, but, um, but that, when that happened, we were listening to Christmas music like in the summer in the car because it was just, yeah, let's think of, let's, let's breathe in some of this. So fat, I love it, man. That's an awesome idea. And while we had the Christmas tree up early that year, I mean, like with COVID, we're just like, well, all bets are out the window. We're just, we're putting up decorations. It's October. <laughs> Who cares? Like, we're just going to yep. have a good time with it. So yeah, it's just odd things like that. Like we all have our own little things that, that we need to embrace and we need to share that with our students. They, they enjoyed it as much as they razzed me about it and gave me a bad time. Like they still thought it was hilarious. And sometimes they started to get into it themselves. Oh, throw on Bing Crosby. Like, you know, just out of the blue. I mean, it was it was just kind of a big classroom joke at that point. So I love it. Dude, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. Someone should go do that tomorrow. Please. Uh, actually, as soon as we get off, I'm probably going to play some Christmas myself. So, all right, CJ, I wanted folks to connect with you. If they're not already, they got to get on their phone right away and find you on all the social media platforms. So how can they do that? RealRapWithReynolds.com is where everything lives. And then uh, on YouTube is probably like the easiest place for you to find the most free content we have like over 500 videos now or something like that which is preposterous all for free it's all for you folks to to so you can unlock what's in you to be the teacher you were called to be well and you know with this subject you also have a fantastic book we really didn't talk about it but teach your class off phenomenal text make sure that you pick that up it has a wealth of resources in there for you within the classroom cj is a master educator and 
I feel like I learn something every time I'm either in a session when you're speaking on YouTube and of course when I have the pleasure of having you on Aspire to Lead and CJ has been on the podcast multiple times. Please check out those episodes. They're phenomenal. CJ, you are a rock star, my friend. Thank you so much for being on the Aspire to Lead podcast. Thanks, buddy. Thank you.